listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast, a podcast all about your health and wellness issues that affect you every day. We want to educate, entertain, and maybe make you giggle a little along the way. No annoying statistics or jargon here, just information you can use every day to be healthier, happier, and less boring. All right, here's your host, OBGYN Dr. Ron Eaker. everybody, welcome to another edition of Thirsty Thursdays Women on Slime Wellness. I'm coming to you again from a porch because it's so nice outside. Tonight, uh, well first of all, let me say welcome to all the new folks who are members of the Women's Online Wellness. What do we call you guys? We, we call you Wowsies or Wowites or Wowies or if you got a good suggestion for what our collective name should be, Put it in the comments and, and let me see what you come up with because I'd love, we, we, most groups, you know, really thrive when they have their own vocabulary, when they can discuss things and talk about things with their own language. So if you have a good name for what we ought to call this growing, growing group of folks that are really interested in living life to the fullest in their uh, you know, perimenopausal, menopausal, postmenopausal years, let us know. I'd love to hear your suggestions. I'm Dr. Ron Eaker, your local obstruction and groin ecologist and I really appreciate you being with us tonight especially if this is your first time let me I'll always say this because I'll make sure people I get asked all the time in the office I couldn't make it to the live but I watched it I mean I wanted to hear it and I want to see it later well you can they record these things thank you Zuckerberg what you do is you go up and you push the little button up there that says albums and it'll take you to a little screen that says videos and you can push on the videos and every video that I've done since the earth was cooling, is back there on that page. Now, I've got to figure out, nobody helped me this last time. I made a call, I put out a call for someone to help me to figure out how to label those videos so that people would know what they were. Because right now it always says, you know, like MP564.785. And you have no idea what you're looking at. So if anybody knows how to explain to me how to put a title on those videos, let me know and I'll go through and title them all. I'm a little techno geeky at times and can't really figure some of that stuff out. But tonight we're going to talk, oh, before I get there, I keep forgetting all that. I've got notes, but I keep forgetting about that. I want to say another reminder about our Mona Lisa Touch open house. That's coming up, actually it's a week from tonight, September 12th, Thursday night. So instead of doing the um, regular Thirsty Thursday you know, I hadn't thought about this. Maybe I'll try to live stream that. I don't think it's going to be possible because I still want you to show up. I still want you to be there. But uh, that's a good idea. I may try to do that. But I still want you coming because if you come that night and you decide the procedure's right for you, you're going to get a really significant discount. And it's only going to be available for folks who take the time to come to our office at evening at 6 o'clock, September 12th. We've got a limited number of spots, so I put up the little thing where you can sign up and come so be sure you reserve a spot because we we are almost full like we have been before so please reserve your spot if you're interested in coming bring your spouse believe me the stuff we treat affects them uh, if they're interested uh, bring a friend if you have a friend you want to come with and they're not in the practice that's fine this is not limited to people just in our practice so if you have a friend or a spouse or somebody you want to bring with you bring them on we love to have them september 12th register uh, because we're, we're and all we're going to give away a free treatment i hadn't told everybody that but we're going to give away a free treatment so if you're interested we might 
live cast it. I don't know if that would work out. But anyway, so let's get to tonight. Uh, tonight is about exercise. You know, you, everyone knows I'm obnoxious about exercise. I make no apologies about it. I'm an exercise evangelist. It is absolutely the fountain of youth. It is the secret to so many health benefits. But tonight I want to talk about five things, one, two, three, four, five, that are probably not well known that have to do with exercise. We all know the common stuff. We all know the good stuff it does. We all know the excuses we have. Tonight I'm an excuse buster. You've seen it. What's that television show, Mythbusters? Well, tonight's excuse buster. We're going to tell you some things that are just going to really make you mad and make you want to get out there and exercise. Either that or not watch any more of these videos. I'm not sure which. But it's let me tell you five things that you probably don't know about exercise. And if you'll stay to the end, the last one, I promise the last one will really be kind of cool. It's really going to be interesting because it's cutting-edge research, stuff that's literally right off, the, right off the docket when it comes to current stuff on uh, the effect of exercise. So hang on with me till the end. So number one, uh, one of the most common myths we have is that exercise is critical to losing weight. Well... It's not. Let me put that in context for you because the first time people hear that, they go, what? Because all they've been told their whole life, how do they do that? They go, what? They've been told their whole life is that to, to lose weight, you got to eat less and exercise more. Well, there's a grain of truth in that, but not, it's not as truthful as you would imagine. When it comes to exercise and weight loss, the secret is in the weight maintenance phase. Why do so many people gain weight after they lose it? Well, first of all, they lose it in the wrong way. They lose it too fast, too quickly, doing stupid things that can't that change their body physiology and it makes it more likely to gain back. So they don't learn how to do it properly. The second thing is they don't understand it's not something you go on and off. It's something you stay on. It's a lifestyle. Well, that includes activity level. So when it comes to the losing the weight phase, if you're out there trying to lose 20 pounds, the exercise is not nearly as critical as the nutrition. Think of nutrition as king, and the exercise is just kind of maybe a fit pawn. Maybe. You know, it's helpful. What exercise does when you're losing weight, all right, let's think of it. When you lose weight, what do you lose? You lose fat, muscle, and fluid. Well, we don't want to lose muscle. We, we, yeah, we want to lose some fluid, but we really want to lose fat. So here's what exercise does when you're trying to lose fat, lose weight. It shifts that curve to fat loss away from muscle. So if you're wanting to lose weight and you're wanting to maximize muscle, loss, muscle gain and, and fat loss, you've got to be active. Now, you can lose weight with a calorie deficit. You can lose weight and, and not get off the couch, but you really got to have a, a calorie deficit and you probably will lose a lot more muscle than you will fat in that instance. But losing weight, sh or losing, oh, let me try it again. I wish I wasn't live. I could cut that and go back and re-spleen it. But re-spleen it? Re-splice it, maybe? Re-spleen it. That's a new one. But anyway, you, when, you're, when you are active during the loss phase, you're going to shift that curve. Really, where exercise is absolutely mandatory key, you can't get away from it, just don't even try to get away from it, is when you're trying to keep the weight off. That's 
absolutely the key where exercise plays a role. And it doesn't have to be killer exercise. It can be just being active. So it's not so much when you're losing weight, it's when you're trying to maintain that weight loss. So that's number one. Number two, exercise in small chunks can be beneficial. This is an excuse I hear all the time. Don't have time. I can't spend 45 minutes or an hour, an hour and a half of the day, get up, go to the gym, drive back home. I just don't have that time. I've got to you know, make Billy's lunch or I've got to, a, a corporate deal I've got to negotiate or I've got to do surgery. You know, I understand. I get it. Time is a value. Time is a very important thing in our lives and we all have too little of it, although we really have enough. We just use it poorly in many cases. When it comes to exercise, there's some cool studies that have just come out in the last few years that show that small increments of activity can be just as beneficial sometimes as longer activities. For example, say you normally want to do a 30-minute walk, but you don't got 30 minutes. Well, you got 30 minutes. You just don't want to take 30 minutes. Am I right? Send me some love on that one. Am I right? Have I got you? Did I nail you? You just don't want to take the 30 minutes. But regardless, just throw that out. Say, say whatever the reason is. Say you really don't have 30 minutes. Studies indicate now that breaking that into small chunks, doing 10 minutes three times a day, will get you benefits. Just the fact that you're moving for any length of time will get you benefits. Fabulous study done not long ago looked at people who were fidgeters. I mean, you all know who they are. The people will be sitting still all around them, and they're doing a little thing. They're always moving. They're constantly moving, but not really big movements. You know, not doing this kind of stuff, but just little movements just mostly to irritate you and make you crazy. Fidgeters. They have actually shown that fidgeters as a whole burn more calories than their their contemporaries who aren't fidgeters. So even tiny bits of action can elicit a beneficial response. But particularly, the research now that is done on things like, how many of you heard, uh, raise your hand, send me a, a wave or something if you've heard of HIIT training, H-I-I-T, High Intensity Interval Training. It's gotten very, very popular, mainly because it doesn't take a lot of time. I mean, I can do a workout that I get on an app on a phone in seven minutes. Seven minutes, and I will be dead meat. I will be wiped out. Now, yeah, I'm old and decrepit, but still, it's a heck of a workout. And it takes me seven minutes, and I'm getting some cardiovascular benefit. I'm getting calorie-burning benefit. So doing these kind of activities, even in short periods of time, I would rather you take five minutes and walk around the office or walk around the house. That, that really is going to do something good for you as opposed to doing nothing. So never, 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 never tell me that you don't have the time because if you've got five or ten minutes, you can do something that's going to benefit you. And it's not for naught. It's not wasted. It's not just you're not getting, you feel like you're not getting the benefit. You are. You are. You really are. So even short bursts of activity, whether it's the high intensity type or whether it's just even walking, it doesn't matter. You're still getting the benefit. So I'd much rather you, instead of just blowing off going for that 45-minute walk, just walk for 10 minutes, lunch walk for 10 minutes, you get home walk for 10 minutes. Of course, more is better. I mean, exercise is one of the few things that, well, maybe Merlot too, where more is better. But I'm just kidding. Don't Do not tell people that I encourage you to drink more Merlot. I, I do not put that on social media.
But anyway, more is better when it comes to exercise. There's no question about it. But the opposite end of that spectrum is that doing something, even a little bit, can be beneficial. Do you got that? Send me some love. Send me a, a heart or some hands or something if you got that. Uh, hey, Catherine, Trina, Lisa, Trina, uh, Tamara, Paula, Judy. Appreciate you guys being there. Thanks. Oh, and by the way, uh, this is live, so if you've got some questions, if you've got something about what I talk about, even if you oh, there's a, thank you for sending me the thumbs up, the hearts. I appreciate that. I'm glad to, glad some folks are responding there. I, that that makes me feel better, like I'm I'm hitting home. So if you uh, if you have a question that relates to this, or even if it doesn't relate to this, even if you just want to know why I'm sweating so much, well, it's outside and it's 98 degrees in Augusta, Georgia. Do I have to explain that? But if you have another question that's not related to my flop sweat, feel free to ask that too. All right, here's, here's the fact number three, that this, is, I, this, this made me stand up and cheer. This made me so excited when I looked at the studies about this. You are never, ever, ever, ever too old to exercise. You will always get benefits. There was a study done about two years ago on 90-year-old guys. Now, I used to think that was old. Now, I think that's middle age. You know, the closer, you know, old is just 20 years older than where you are. Now, I'm not thinking that's that old. I mean, 90, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's when I want to be hitting that about 150th marathon at that age. But they did a study on these 90-year-old folks, put them through six weeks of some lightweight training, 90-year-olds, both men and women with lightweight training and they all showed cardiovascular benefits they showed better muscle improvement they showed fat loss so even at that age there's going to be some benefits even in people who are not really what you would call exercisers people who've been sedentary you can still get benefits there's no age limit obviously there are health limits obviously there are things that make it difficult whether you have uh, physical uh, difficulties with arthritis or or orthopedic issues. Now, I get it. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not unrealistic. I understand that there are limitations. But even if you really if you really want to see something that's cool, is go on YouTube and Google wheelchair exercises. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, folks who are confined to wheelchair. I mean, I'm not talking about these these athletes who are just smoking it at races. I'm talking about people in their 80s and 90s who are wheelchair bound, who are still being able to use upper body exercises to get benefits, both physiologically and psychologically. So you're never too old to gain benefits. You see these, these uh, things on YouTube or Google where you see these senior Olympics. If, you've, if you really want to get inspired and really depressed if you're not being active, but you really want to get inspired, let's take it positively, you really want to get excited, Go on there and, and look at these videos of the Senior Olympics, of the running and the, the pole vault. I mean, you've got these 80-year-old, 90-year-old, 100-year-old people. I saw one the other day with a 103-year-old guy doing a 100-yard dash. You know, it took him a day and a half, but dadgummit, he was out there, and, you know, they, it was fantastic. It was really, really a lot of fun. So you're never too old. You will get benefits. Now, again kind of feeding into that idea, feeding into that idea is 
this is not meant to be telling you if you've never ex exercised or if you're not active now, don't just go out and run five miles. Don't be dumb. Don't be crazy about it. You know, get checked out by your doc. Make sure you don't have any contraindications. Make sure that your 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 balance is good, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I'm, I'm I know I know you know that you're smart people. You know that, but I have to say that because my attorneys, Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, always make sure that I put that disclaimer in there. I am not telling you to go out and do something until you've been cleared to do that. But make sure if your doctor says you can't exercise, you need to just slap him like a wet squirrel and figure out, or her, like a wet squirrel, and, and really find out why. Because there's very few instances where you can't do something. You can't do some kind of activity level that's going to keep you mentally and physically engaged. All right, how about this? One of the most common myths that I've heard over the years with regards to exercise and I've heard it mainly because of my passion for running, is people constantly would tell me, mainly my parents and mainly friends who were couch potatoes, don't you know all that running is going to destroy your knees? All that running. I had, <laughs> there, was a, there was a study that I read back in the 1960s, 60s or no, it was in the 70s. It was in the 70s. It was written in the 70s, and it's. <laughs> I promise you, this is truth. It said that there was a concern about female distance runners. There, the reason that the Olympic Committee did not allow women to compete in the marathon distance was there were some physicians who were afraid that they would actually have their uterus drop out. Not making that up. That they would be running down the road and plop, sorry sir, that's just my uterus. My apologies, sorry for the mess. That was a legitimate reason the Olympic Committee said we don't want to sanction females doing marathons because the dadgum uterus might bounce off the pavement. That's the kind of stuff we've been battling against with regards to, in particular, with women and exercise and the myths surrounding that. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I got totally, got that's just totally freaked me out. I just, I don't know why that, oh, it was my knees. I don't, I don't I got sidetracked on the old uterus falling out trick. It sure would have made hysterectomies a lot simpler. I mean, I could have just followed somebody running and, and gone behind them and then just, just scooped up the... Uh, I'm, I, I, all right, we're going to go in a different direction. I'm, I'm just not going a place that I should be going right now. So, But anyway, there was this myth that running in particular was going to destroy the knees, that you were going to be crippled with arthritis. You're going to have to have a knee replacement when you're 40. Well, the studies are conclusive now that it actually doesn't do that. Distance running or running or jogging does not increase the incidence of arthritis. In fact, there's many studies that indicate it probably lowers the incidence of arthritis for most people. So this idea that doing too much exercise is bad for you, well, yeah, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're running 125 miles a week for more than two or three years, you're probably overdoing it a bit. But I dare say that there's many of us out there that are probably doing too much. I just, I, I, 
the pendulum hasn't swung to that side for most of us. Most of us, we really need to be encouraged to maybe do, we don't have to worry about the doing too much part, is my point. It's the doing too little part. So don't be worried that oh, I hear this excuse. Well, I'm not, I don't do that running stuff because one, my uterus would fall out, but two, it may cause arthritis or cause knee problems down the road. Well, obviously, if you've got some kind of knee problem, that's what I mean. Go back and get that checked out before you go out and you know try to run a 10K for the first time in 10 years. So you got to be smart about it. But in general, more is better when it comes to exercise, if you do what's smart. Now, the biggest mistake people make is they say, I'm fired up, I'm going to go out and I'm going to exercise, and I'm going to, I'm going to, he's, he's motivated me, he's just, this, this exercise evangelist has converted me, and I'm going to go to fitness heaven, and I'm just so excited about all this, and you go out tomorrow, and you've, you've been on the couch of doom for six months, and you decide, I'm going to go out and I'm going to run, and you go out and run, and you kill yourself. That's so dumb. You can't do that. You got to be careful about that. Be smart about it. You don't want to injure yourself because that sets you back, and that a lot of people never come back from that. And you you get terribly sore, and you don't. I got to tell you, I, I may have told you this story before. When I was in college, um, I was uh, I was not a real athlete. You know, I mean, I was vertically challenged. I, I was I, I wasn't overweight, but I wasn't svelte either. So my first, my freshman year in college, I said, all right, it's, it's time to, you know, I, I had already uh, been a star on the bowling team. You know, what an incredible chick magnet that was in high school. So I, I decided that once I got to college that I was going to try to buff up a little bit and try to put some, some meat on this little uh, 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 hobbit frame. So I, uh, I took a, a weightlifting class when I was a freshman in college. And let's just say it was not well supervised. So I went in the first day and they told you about all the equipment. And I went over to this thing called a squat bar. And if you're familiar with that, it's, it's, it's these big poles here and then there's one pole across it. And you put the weights on the end of the pole and you, you get up under it and you squat down and then you lift the weight up and then you squat down and you lift the weight up. So I, I stuck some weight on there. I didn't know what I was doing. I just I had see, seen some other people do that. And, and so I stuck some weight on there, and I knocked out about 10 squats. I was just, I was red-faced, and I was, oh, man, I was, a, I was a testosterone terror. It was incredible. I was just a legend in my own mind at that point. It was amazing. So I do those squats, and I, I noticed that, you know, my legs were a little bit burning, a little bit sore. Um, but, you know, I'd just done the thing. So, you know, that was the last class of the day, so I go back to the dorm. Well, the next morning, I roll over, getting ready to go to my 8 o'clock class. I step off the bed and collapse. I could not stand up. I fell on the ground. My roommate thought I was drunk, that I had just come in and I had just passed out on the floor. I was so sore, I could not even walk. I had to miss class for two and a half days because I was an invalid. I was an idiot. I was so stupid. And I learned my lesson. I realized at that point, do it the smart way if you're going to do it at all. So my point is, if you've not been exercising, if you've not been active, you still can be. You're going to get the benefits, but do it smart. Take it slow, baby steps, one at a time. 
just just slow and steady wins the race when it comes to that but just know that you're never too old and that uh, you're not going to create a problem by doing that uh geraldine good to see you hey jane sister-in-law uh connie glad all you guys are joining us tonight uh again if you if you miss this, well, if you, if you miss this, then this doesn't make a lot of sense telling you that you can see it later, because if you miss this, you're not seeing it. Anyway, I'm getting way too distracted tonight. It's probably because I didn't run this morning and my brain didn't function correctly. And that brings me to number five. That brings me to something that I'm really fired up about and I'm really excited about. You know, I was sitting... Uh, I was sitting by my bed last night and I was reading one of my favorite bedtime stories on neuroplasticity. I'm sure many of you are doing that uh, as you get ready for bed. It's, it's very calming. Neuroplasticity is the concept that your brain changes. I mean, that's basically what it means is that growing up, we were all taught that if we went out and binged one night and we killed all these brain cells with alcohol, that we would just kill those brain cells and they were just gone but we were all cool with it because we knew how many brain cells we still had left so we were all sitting there calculating up how many more nights we could go out and binge and kill our brain cells before we just turned into a vegetable you know if we spent all our time studying instead of trying to calculate that we probably turned out a lot better but the fact is we are constantly regenerating brain cells we're constantly making new neuronal connections we're constantly uh, bringing these pathways and creating new pathways. The brain is a very dynamic, a very active, a very growing and transforming tissue. It's not it, that you get rid of a certain number of brain cells and you never grow anymore. We know that's not true. Uh, we used to think that, and, and I'm, it's that, that, that kind of meandered into to lay understanding, but the science really thought that was the case. But the fact is now this concept of neuroplasticity is really amazing when you think about rehab for strokes, for example. There are people who uh, have certain diseases of degeneration that they've been able to reverse somewhat because of this ability of the brain to, to be plastic, to regenerate these nerve connections. And that's what's so key is the nerve connections. All right, well, here's, here's a really cool thing. There is a chemical that is squeezed out of the muscles. There's a chemical that's produced when the muscles are active called brain-derived neurotropic factor. And I'm gonna shorten that and just call it BDNF. BDNF is a hormone that goes out from the muscles when they're active, goes up to the brain, and it enhances, it's like fertilizer for the nerve cells. That's the best way to describe it. It enhances the connection. I know a lot of you have seen those pictures of nerve cells that look like trees with all these branches and they're all intertwined, interconnected. Well, it's those interconnections that allow us to think, that allow us to, to memorize things, that allow us to uh, remember both early and, and late memories, to be able to cognate, to think, to speak, to do all the stuff we do, to be who we are. It allows us to do that. It's those connections. When those connections start atrophying or when they start becoming less connected, it's called senile dementia. It's one of the most common causes of 
difficulty concentrating, lack of memory, all the kind of things that go along with the uh, degradation of the mental capacities of aging. There's some evidence that that the decreased connections due to blockage with this stuff called amyloid beta, which is a protein, is what the etiology of Alzheimer's. And there's massive amounts of research that's being done right now in trying to figure out ways to clean all that out. Well, the brain-derived neurotropic factor produced when you're active, when you're moving your muscles, can actually enhance those connections. And in some cases, reverse poor connections or broken connections. So there's evidence now that activity level in young and old will increase the ability for people to learn. There's fascinating studies looking at activity level and your ability to remember certain uh, words or equations or events and improving your concentration skills and improving your memorization skills. And this goes for, for kids as young, you know, under 20 and people over 80. So there's a lot of evidence now that being active, being physically active might actually be something that will decrease both the onset or the progression of senile dementia. Now, not only that, not only that, here's something else that's cool. There was a recent two studies out showing that exercise, moderate exercise, I'm not talking about, you know, going out and running 20 miles. I'm talking about 45 minutes, three or four times a week of moderate exercise is as effective as some mild antidepressants for clinical depression. It is as effective as Zoloft, Paxil, Prozac, Effexor, Celexa, Lexapro in some individuals in treating the mild anxiety and depression. I mean, that really think about that for a second. It's, it, we, we've all known for years about the stuff, you know, the runner's high and about how exercise can uh, increase the ability of tryptophan, for example, it's amino acid that crosses the blood-brain barrier, and it's the building block for dopamine and serotonin and those neurotransmitters. You've all heard those terms by now, serotonin, dopamine, those are all good things that help bathe the brain and make it function well, and we know that depression is a uh, serotonin deficiency state in many instances. It's, there's many different causes. And I'm making this a lot more simplistic than it really is. This is incredibly complex. So, I, I, but I just want to make sure you understand the point that there's a lot of evidence now that moderate exercise on a consistent, regular basis is an effective treatment for mild depression. When you combine that, when you look at the studies, you see some improvement with depression. Now, granted, if you're, if you're exercising and using the antidepressants, it could actually enhance the effect of the antidepressants together. So exercise and the antidepressants work better than the antidepressants themselves. And it only makes sense because it indeed, it enhances this dopamine, enhances this serotonin. So we know that there are market effects. I mean, we, we have it ingrained in our head that it improves cardiovascular benefit, it improves lung function. But when we start seeing all this stuff that's improving our neural functioning, I don't know about you guys, but one of the greatest fears I have is cognitive decline. I mean, 
some of us like 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 me may not have a threshold where they're they're already at kind of their max and <laughs> I don't I don't I guess I'm saying I don't have a big cushion right but this idea of cognitive decline is frightening to to everyone when people ask about what is the number one fear people have with regards to their health it's not so much physical decline as it is cognitive decline mental decline of our mental faculties and we found that probably the two best things that we have control of is staying physically engaged and staying mentally engaged. That's critical because what it does is it not only it bathes the brain in these hormones that are so beneficial due to the activity level, I mean literally it's the activity level, the muscles that, that cause this to happen and it bathes the brain in these, these hormones that can, can just fertilize those brain cells and keep them healthy as well as being mentally engaged you know you've all heard about the the apps where you do the puzzles or you you know they talk about reading and doing games and anything that gets you thinking as you get older is going to help help increase those neural pathways and those connections it's all about those connections it's all about the connections whether we're talking about the brain or we're talking about human beings it's all about the connections so in the brain anything you can do to enhance that Oh, by the sleep does the same thing. I read a study the other day that looked at sleep. People who get adequate amounts of sleep will learn better the next day, and then if they get adequate amount of sleep that night, they'll incorporate the memories from short-term to long-term much better. And this really is really important when we talk about school kids. I mean, this is a really amazing study. You talk about kids starting school, having to get out and get on the bus at, at 5, 6, and 6.30 in the morning, limiting their sleep. Well, we're, we're almost cursing them when we're forcing them to start school at that time of the hour or to, or to get up and to get out because they're not getting adequate rest, so they're not really setting their brains up for proper learning. So I'm a big advocate for late starting school simply because these kids got to get plenty of rest. Well, it applies to us old farts too. We can learn better if we get adequate rest. You combine that with adequate activity, that's your two best three. There's, here, here's my three ways to avoid senile dementia. I, I just came up with this. This is I, I, I'm I'm so excited now. Good nutrition, basically bad sugar. Stay away from sugar. Anything with sugar in it, sugar is toxic. I, I think sugar ought to be listed as as carcinogenic. But stay away from sugar. We know that increases inflammation. We know that increases senile dementia. Stay active, and get adequate rest. If you'll do those three things, it'll reduce your chances. There's a lot of genetics involved, obviously. There's a lot of other things involved. I mean, I, I hope I'm not making this sound so trite and so simplistic. But by golly, if you'll do those things, it's amazing long-term the impact that that'll have. So you think about the benefits of exercise. It goes way beyond just being fit and being a healthy weight. It goes way beyond that. It really extends into areas that we're just now learning about and I get really excited about this idea of helping with the neuro and cognitive functioning. Uh, oh and let me let me mention this too when we talk about longevity you know when I talk about lifespan I, I, in fact I don't even use lifespan anymore I like the term health span 
nobody, I don't, I don't want to live a long lifespan. I want to live a long health span. That means how long can I stay vigorous? How long can I stay engaged? How long can I stay where I'm contributing to my family and friends? That's what I call a health span. That's our goal, not lifespan, it's health span. And we know that exercise can improve that health span. And, and let me make this point. I'm not talking about anti-aging. That's my ugh, that's my soapbox for tonight. I hate that term. There is no such thing as anti-aging. We all age. If unless you have a time machine, and unless you exist out of time, you are going to age. It happens. There's no way around it. I don't know any person, rock or thing, that doesn't age. So there's no such thing as anti-aging. You can slow aging, subtle but critically important difference. You can slow aging, but you're not going to stop it. So this idea of anti-aging, for me, that's a red flag. If you're seeing any product or exercise or um, cream or gel or crystal or goo or herb that's advertised as anti-aging, either one, they're stupid. Number two, they don't know what they're talking about and don't know the science. Number three, they don't understand the terminology. Or number four, they're just trying to scam you. Anti-aging, it's, it's kind of like the term natural. Nobody knows what natural means. And anti-aging is actually a misnomer. I mean, you show me anybody who can truly stop aging, that it's against aging, and, and I'll eat every word, and I'll, go, I'll do 20 Facebook Lives talking about it because it doesn't exist. You can slow it down, you can stop it, you can prevent some of the problems associated with it, but it's going to happen. Get over it. I don't care how many anti-aging creams you slather all over your wrinkly skin, you're still going to age. You might slow it a bit and you might dehydrate it and make it unwrinkle for 10 or 15 minutes, but you're still going to age. Okay, all right. Enough of my ranting and raving. I'm sorry. I've gone. I've gone off so many rabbit holes tonight. I'm not sure. Maybe it's the heat. I'm. I'm, I'm really flop sweating right now. Maybe it's I've gotten dehydrated. I don't know. All right. Listen. Thank y'all so much for being here tonight. Again, if you uh, have any friends or family members or people that you feel like might benefit from being a part of Women's Online Wellness, just submit their name. It comes to me. If it's from one of you guys, I trust it, and I'm going to approve them. And we can grow our community, and we can continue to hopefully get some information out there in a way that's meaningful, but more importantly, sometimes a lot of fun. So thanks for putting up with my rantings tonight. I've enjoyed being with you. We'll see you next Thursday, and I'm not sure how we're going to do that, but we're going to do something next Thursday because you guys are awesome, and I love doing this. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast. To join the conversation, access show notes, and discover bonus content, Join our private Facebook community by sending a request to Women's Online Wellness. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, just head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. For questions about the podcast or to get more information, 
Email Dr. Eaker at R-E-A-K-E-R at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, choose to be healthy. Thank you.